Digital Marketer. Hello and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and I'm presenting a challenge to you today. If you call yourself a digital marketer, an online marketer, an internet marketer, a Facebook marketer, a Google, a YouTube, a TikTok marketer, I want you to take that first word, no matter what you call yourself, out of your title because in the end, it's just marketing. That is what our episode is all about today, and I'll be talking with Mark DeGrasse. He's the CEO and Chief Creative Officer of Mega Mad Websites and a content strategist who believes in a more holistic approach to marketing. Because in the end, it's just marketing. Let's get into it. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. I think this is pretty huge. I mean, you're you're blowing the lid off of <laughs> what we do here at Digital Marketer, and it's really exciting to me. Well, I don't know about blowing the lid off. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a database of so much information. I think it's it's almost just a new way of looking at the same stuff, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's like just kind of dive in and you you've kind of coined this this idea, this phrase, it's just marketing. Could you talk a little bit just an overview of kind of what's your thesis statement? What what is this? Well, I think overall people have always looked at marketing, especially in the last 12 or 20 years as uh, two types, right? You have offline, which is your billboards and newspaper ads and magazine ads and things like that. And then you have your online, which is everything that you actually see now, Uh, your Facebook ads, your content marketing, uh, all social media marketing, email marketing, you know, everything that digital marketer is all about. Uh, but what I found is that you, you can't, like in the modern world, you can't really distinguish between the two because they lead to one another. And so that's where we kind of came up with the, it's just marketing because you can't really define, you know, a, a clear line between where one starts and where one ends. So, and the other thing is a lot of people used to say, well, digital marketing is replacing offline marketing. And I don't think it is. I think it's, it's become a kind of symbiotic relationship between the two that's indistinguishable. Yeah, that I think that makes total sense. And it, it kind of turns a little bit of what, how people have been thinking of marketing kind of on its head. Like they've, they've been seeing kind of, you're either, you know, a person who goes all in on like direct mail and, you know, billboard ads and foot traffic type stuff, loyalty programs. Or you're someone who you have Instagram and you have a YouTube presence and you do Facebook ads. And um, really, it's like there's, it's all kind of coming together. Yeah. And that's why, you know, in in the article, I talk about a holistic approach to marketing where it's not, um, you know, picking two, you know, one or two principal methods of marketing and then just working really hard on those. Like, I think for, now and at least for the foreseeable future, what you're going to find is that the companies that are doing it right are 
doing everything. And it seems like they're everywhere because, uh, you know, all their customers or potential customers are uh, consuming information different ways. And in most, t- most of the time, I found it's multiple ways. Like that's why, you know, statistically, they're actually finding that billboard ads are actually becoming more effective now <laughs> than they used to be. <laughs> And it's it's so weird to hear that because you're like, no, you know, nobody looks at billboard ads. But if you think of yourself driving down the highway, I look at billboard ads. And if it's a good ad or if it's just, a say, a branding ad where it's just a logo or a statement and, you know, some kind of abstract uh, symbol, uh, I'll remember that and recall it if I see it again online. So that's yeah. that's kind of one example of the, you know, holistic approach to marketing where you're not just doing one or the other. Yeah. It reminds me of the, the billboards that are, you know, they're like, does billboard marketing work? Just did. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. You're like, yeah, it's, I guess it did true. just work. <laughs> well, it's even like the, the whole ugly sign principle where you mm-hmm. have an ugly, you know, we buy houses on the side of the road and no matter what, you know what it is, but you still look at it and you read it. And so, you know, if you look at, the value of a different marketing technique, like you just made an impression right there and how many people are driving by that sign every day, every minute, (laughs) then how is that less effective than, you know, something you might put online? Yeah. And depending on the neighborhood, they could all have really ugly houses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a whole, that's a business model conversation. Yeah. (laughs) But just in regards to that, like I, I was actually, I became a real estate broker when I was, 18 or 19. And so I worked a farm is what they called it, where you had a specific area of a neighborhood and you just hit it with marketing materials over and over and over again. And then eventually you're the expert because they've just seen your face so much. And so that's, you know, I don't even know if that's less effective now than it was back then. That was like in 2004, 2003. Yeah. Before the last crash. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> you, you give a really good example and, and, in the article. And, and y'all, we're going to link that article in the show notes below. So feel free to take a peek. But you give a really great example about Elon Musk specifically. Could you talk through, I mean, he, he's such a, people love him, people hate him, people hate to love him. Uh, could you just talk a little bit about like how this, how he connects to this idea of it's just marketing? Yeah, well, I think with uh, him, and he may have done this accidentally just because he's kind of eccentric, but I think he really encapsulates the potential for this whole everything is marketing approach because he it's not even just online or offline. He actually combines uh, product development and this kind of transparency with everything going on in the company with the marketing component. Those two actually come together. So it's it's even beyond just combining methods, he actually has taken it to another level of incorporating uh, publicity into development. So the the example I give within the article is basically talking about when they were ta- uh, launching the prototype rocket that uh, he actually put the Tesla Roadster as the ballast within the rocket. And then he launched that into space toward it was supposed that. to hit mars <laughs> it didn't hit mars it's actually just over in the sun somewhere uh, but anyway he made it was a big deal it was and so what that one event exemplified is the combination between offline which is a actual event with uh, product development they were launching a prototype with a product partnership 
it was Tesla and SpaceX that were actually doing the events and then all the PR that actually went into that, which wasn't just uh, your typical media channels, but you also had this YouTube community that really grasped, you know, started following SpaceX. Mm. And it probably started with that one event where now you have these YouTubers that have millions of followers and they're constantly making these videos that are covering product development of mm. one company. So it's like, you know, how many times has that ever happened? Yeah. <laughs> but you're, and, and I don't even know what their actual marketing budget was because they do have some ads, but they're not on Facebook anymore. They left that platform and you, you just see it everywhere. I mean, and it's, it still exists. The, this, you know, rocket band is just circling the sun somewhere and they still cover it. So mm. people are still talking about it. It's the ultimate billboard when you think about it. It is, you know, it's very long lasting and it gives you insight into the company. And then you have Elon himself, which is essentially the spokesperson for the company. And he's doing marketing events and he's talking to the press and he's doing, you know, funny, offensive tweets, you know, that everybody follows and comments on and everything like that. So it's, you know, in terms of um, that other marketing function of community interaction, he's killing it there too. So it's, you know, you could just, if you really break down what I did in the article, I actually did uh, a little graphic of here's the offline and the online, you know, methods that were actually incorporated into this one thing and how they, you can't tell the difference between, you know, offline or online anymore. Yeah. And I think that the same kind of goes for our lives in general. So if, if you're thinking of, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with a friend and been like, oh, I read somewhere that blah, 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 blah. And it's like, did I read it in an article that someone sent me on Slack at work? Or did I talk to someone about that? Or did I see it in a YouTube video? Like, there is no separation between how I'm like learning new information. And it, it could just as well be a billboard down down the street. And it all kind of combines together because our our online lives are our physical lives. Well, and I touched on that in the article too. Like everything, especially digitally, has become so seamless because before, you know, and, and I'm dating myself again, but I, when I was in grade school, had to deal with the dial-up connection. And so you could only consume so much information because it literally took time to sit mm. there and wait. And so nowadays with, with internet speeds and, you know, mobile responsiveness that you have with every single app and every social media platform, it's just instant. I could go through six apps in one minute, scan what's new and go on to the next app in 60 seconds. Like that's yeah. not unrealistic. So, you know, again, back to that holistic approach, I just consumed information in 10 different ways in a minute. So if your marketing is actually covering all those ways, then you're probably leaving impressions on the table. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's, um, let's kind of go back a little bit, journey through time. And, and you kind of mark the year 2000 as kind of this, this banner year, right, for, for this idea. What happened in 2000? So 2000, I think, was a transition, you know, it's a mindset transition for everybody because it was a new millennium. It technically wasn't because 2001 was really the first year of the new millennium. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> people's mindset was this is a new thing. We're now in the future. You know, everybody refers to like the uh, back to the future, re referencing the, the future and how it already happened now. Uh, but it was a pivotal point where people said, oh, well, 2001 Space Odyssey, that would probably be the 
the example that there. Uh, but it was a transition in thinking, and then you know, especially for schooling, uh, using the internet for research. So you had this whole new generation that was now really incorporating online research into everything they did. And then in 2000, you had Google decided to start advertising, which was a pivotal moment in mm -hmm. marketing history because now. Not only did you have access to the entire planet with one advertising platform, you also had all the demographics and they don't track, they didn't track as much as they do now, but you had a lot more information about the people viewing your ad, how many times they viewed it, how the ROI on every single cent that you spent with an advertising platform. And so for both marketers and visitors, everything was now totally new. And, it, and there was, you know, it's, it is still the Wild West, but back then it was really the Wild West of what can you do now? And so I think that was the start of the big transition to, to what you see now 20 years later. And yeah, even then, I think I was starting to make websites at that point and then I was using GeoCities. Me too. <laughs> I mean, they were like children. They were a website for like a teenager. Yeah, <laughs> it was but like even, my blog. Oh yeah, <laughs> or MySpace. That was that was yeah. a thing too. But really, they taught you HTML, right? Mm -hmm. that, was, that was good. Yeah, I learned CSS. I don't use it. I don't think anybody <laughs> uses it anymore. <laughs> well, just that understanding though of like, oh, here's how it's made, and here's how the information is delivered. Everybody was starting to understand that, and even back then, when I started making websites. It was so new that I had every older person, people over 40 or 50 would come to me and like, hey, I want to make this app. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I just made a GeoCity website. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you with whatever the heck you're talking about. But even then, that, that older generation was still like, wow, this is new. So just to say the, the transition wasn't just young people. It was also mm. older people were now like, oh, my gosh, this is the future and let's see what happens. It's been much slower than, than people thought, but now it's catching up because of internet speed, really. Yeah. Yeah. And just the amount of like social, social worlds that people are building on there, um, which kind of takes us into Facebook. So in 2007, Facebook ads launched and this is just, I mean, a whole new world opened up. Tell me a little bit about about how this changed marketing? Well, I think for Facebook and this, you know, you people debate on the privacy issues, but it's that access to demographics that really made the Facebook platform so effective because people, when you go on Facebook, it's not just where you're, yeah, it is really where you're going because they track every single thing you click on. But now you're able to assess, you know, which visual elements people are attracted to the most, what their interests are and how you could target that. And, and then everything that's associated with what they click on from Facebook and where they're going after Facebook. So that's the, you know, pixel that they put on people's websites or you put it on your own website. Now, Facebook also tracks that information for click-through rates and conversions and everything else. So from a, a tool standpoint for a marketer, now you had even more data than you had on Google because people are actively interacting with each other in individual communities and with friends and family, and you're able to see all those interactions. Well, not see, but track. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you talk about it, it's like, oh my gosh, it's terrifying and horrible. <laughs> uh, but, you know, on the reverse side, you are finding products that you might buy that you didn't even know you were interested in just because mm -hmm. Facebook was spying on you. 
So yeah, yeah, and I think with the whole like just the idea of holistic marketing and holistic living, you know, living in a society where we are being marketed to and marketing to others that, you know, you kind of have Google, which is like this intent based platform where this is where people go when they're looking to learn something or looking to buy something. And they know, they kind of know what they're looking for. And then Facebook is kind of this idea of people are just going to have fun and like connect with people. And it's kind of this element where it's like, they can become aware of things. And that's why like top of funnel works so well on Facebook. And then the physical world is kind of like, so like you can see through time, like the holistic marketing world being built and like slowly creating itself. Oh yeah. Well, and feeding back and looping on itself because I, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people want to think, because I work with a lot of companies and making their ads and setting up their campaigns. And they want to think like, no, if I make the perfect ad, I'm going to put that ad up. Somebody's going to see it and they're going to click on it. They're going to buy. That's the, that's the procession of, of making a sale. And it's really not that Well, you'll, you know, in terms of like me, just like if you look at your personal buying methods, what will probably happen is you will abstractly see an ad for something you'll totally ignore it probably five to 10 times. Then eventually Mm -hmm. you might see it multiple places because now it's tracking you. So now you go to 50 websites and now, now you've got more impressions and you still haven't clicked on it, but it's in your mind. And eventually you'll notice it. You'll be like, Oh yeah, I guess I do need the towel with a hood on it. Like that's useful because I go to the beach. And so then you click on it. Now you looked at the product. And so that's technically a conversion, you know, in terms of a click through, but you still might not buy it. You might be like, ah, that's neat, but it's 20 bucks. I could go on Amazon and it might be cheaper on there. So then another day goes by, you go on Amazon, you find like, ah, they have some, they're not that much cheaper. I like the look of that one. So maybe I'll see it, but I forgot the website at this point. Then you see the ad again because it's still tracking you. And now you click on it like, oh yeah, I did want that. You click on it. Now you buy it. So, and that's not even taking in the offline approach where maybe you saw a billboard for it or a commercial for it. And then all of a sudden now you've had 50 impressions and you mm. did research and now I'm going to go ahead and buy that $20 towel. So the, the entire process of buying is all over the place. And a yeah. lot of it is not even trackable because you're either on multiple platforms, multiple devices, but now you could be online or offline and everything is actually impacting your buying decision and you didn't even notice it. So you can even describe it yourself. Like I could, because I think about that stuff, but for the most part, you're making these decisions thinking like that was a neat ad and I clicked it and I bought. And Mm -hmm. the whole process was actually way longer, more complex and convoluted than you even understand. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting too. Just knowing that, I mean, the, what I've always considered really interesting is just the the concept that if marketing is good, it's unnoticeable. Mm-hmm. And that to me, that like is so interesting and also so exciting. And it also means that when people are seeing what you're offering and seeing the transformation that they could buy from you, they might not notice it at first, which I, I mean, I'd say it's better to not be noticed instead of 
being annoyed by, because if you're not noticed, eventually it will, it, some pattern interrupt will happen mm -hmm. and it'll work. Well, I'm, I'm always, you know, a big proponent of just the individual uniqueness to everyone. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah, you could think that you have the whole process down, but you really might just have the process down for a specific type of person who's in a specific type of mood, who is in a specific type of, you know, period of when they're going to have money, you know, <laughs> a payday yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's so true. So it's, yeah. it's really hard to tell. So for me, that's where, you know, the content marketing side comes in because instead of having to try to predict all these different processes of an individual buyer's habits, you could then just say, Hey, I'm going to create useful information and I'm going to get that information out there and somebody's going to find it useful. And then at the same time, I'm making an impression with my marketing. I'm possibly getting a potential lead that then, then I can market to because mm. they already saw some content that I made. So that's, that's where that kind of wraps in. So you don't have to be so specific. I mean, really, you know, back 10 years ago, you could have entire websites or brands built off of, um, you know, the one funnel that they made and track just that one thing, but an algorithm changed on Google and then that would screw up their entire marketing right. method. So it wasn't based on good information or good product or anything. It was just based on one aspect of marketing that is now defunct. So you kind of have to incorporate that into all your planning because if you don't, then yeah, something that an outside company does like Google or Facebook or YouTube or whatever it is, well then, totally screw up your entire revenue <laughs> for yeah. who knows how long. Yeah. It's scary. <laughs> you had mentioned earlier kind of this idea of accessibility, internet speed. How, how has that affected this holistic type of marketing? Well, entirely. And, and the real point is not just, you know, now I pull up an app and the app comes up faster or the information loads faster. It really frees the creativity of the marketing design team or the creator. So instead of me saying, because I, you know, when I design websites, I always look at, okay, how fast is this page load? Okay, I'm going to use this image on a flat background because I know that the image will be 100 kilobytes instead of 500. So that makes a big difference in how I design because I can't put a bunch of detail. Now, if I want to say, you know, when I load stuff onto Facebook, I don't have to restrict myself to some low res image. I could have an animated graphic or I could post a whole video, you know, things that before you would just not even try because it would take forever to load and that would screw up, you know, your impression. So for, you know, the, marketing professional now you get to be a lot more creative and you get to do a lot more stuff that you couldn't do before and and then you get into the other side which is the interactive component where now you your viewer doesn't have to just look at it they could interact with it they could answer questions dive into the information and you know do whatever you want them to do and i don't have to think about load time as much as i did forever in the past. Plus you yeah. see just a lot more information than you used to be able to see, which is also, you know, really important because nobody wants to wait for anything. Right. Yeah. Well, and information kind of beyond like what you would normally see, like text or an image, but you can see, you know, you can do a virtual tour, you know, you say you're a real estate broker, you can do a virtual tour of a house that's on Zillow. You can like see 
Yeah, I mean, now we have augmented reality. <laughs> you can mm-hmm. see like IKEA furniture in your new place or, you know, there's so many different things that like you can do now and it's because it's accessible to everyone and because the speed makes it, makes you not want to like punch your computer. <laughs> well, it's even just the the tools you're able to access as a marketer, like, you know, mm. graphic design for forever has, even though it's much easier because of Photoshop and different tools offline or, you know, now they're subscription based, you still have to learn them. But now you go into Canva and you have anybody could make anything in five seconds and it's not a big deal. Not that they understand the design elements or branding consistency, which is if you're a designer, it's super frustrating when you have people like, oh, I made this. And you're like, oh, that's cute. Once <laughs> in one area <laughs> and you use five fonts and different imagery and inconsistent styling <laughs> on your photography, like all these different stuff that that people don't understand or appreciate, they still have the tools to do it. So, you know, even that the load time makes a big difference because even applications, complicated applications like video editing and photo editing and graphics editing, animations, all that stuff would have taken forever to load. You know, yeah. to the point where you never would have even tried. You no, know, no company would invest in providing that tool because it just won't make any sense. Now you can, and now, you know, that, that another big difference between marketing today and marketing 10, 20 years ago is everybody has the same tools and everybody has the same access to those tools, and it's not expensive. So now you just broke all these barriers that were, you know, uh, make a big difference between here's a, a super professional, good-looking marketing plan, and here's a amateur, you know, who gives a crap <laughs> what they did plan. Like, you, it's really hard to tell the difference now. Mm-hmm. You know, you could tell an Apple ad, of course, or, you know, another big company like, okay, they spent some bucks on this. But for the most part, most small businesses, it, you can't tell who's spending a million bucks and who's spending a thousand bucks on on different programs. Yeah. And not only that, like it, it just helps you not just like speed of of loading and speed of, you know, all that stuff, speed of creation, speed of getting something up kind of quick and dirty. You can you can kind of test a funnel out with, you know, images that aren't maybe the prettiest and you can tweak things and, and test things. One thing I, I kind of wanted to, to bring up, you, you had mentioned interactivity and it immediately made me think of like live stream video and kind of something else that's like accessible to all of us and not only accessible, <laughs> but kind of now enforced, <laughs> especially at the DM offices, we're all remote first now. So people moving into remote working and live streaming, um, how has this affected marketing? Oh, it's, it's huge. I mean, just in terms of, you know, the, the whole digital presence thing and, and the meetings, that was always going to happen. But I think what happened with uh, COVID and, and everybody having to be at home was people who never would have taken the time to figure it out now had to figure it out. And then mm-hmm. they realized, oh, it's not that hard. And now, now everybody's much more accepting of that. So I think that led to a lot more acceptance of uh, not just meeting people online, but interacting in terms of coursework and seminars and things where people, if it wasn't something in person, they just would have completely ignored it. Now they could potentially do it. So in terms of a marketing you know, team or person, now you can look at creating courses and online seminars and presentations and things online where you have a lot you know, more access to people than you had before. And those people being more willing to 
participate. Now we'll see if that stays true now that things are opening back up, people are having in-person meetings. For me, like I can't, even though I'm online all the time, I can't get into an event as much as if I was at the event. Same, yeah. So it's, it's, there's still, you know, it's not one-to-one. Now, if you incorporated virtual reality or augmented reality where I could sit at a table and I'm surrounded with people and I could look at each individual one and they could look at me and interact that way, that would be completely different. But in terms of internet speed to load something like that, you're talking, okay, now we need to get a thousand times faster and then we could access that type of marketing method or sales method, but we're not quite there yet. So, I mean, we'll see. That stuff will get developed, but yeah, it's like things are a hundred times faster than they used to be 20 years ago, but they'll have to get that much faster again to get into the next phase of, mm. you know, the VR yeah, it's, world. <laughs> it's more exponential than like doubling or anything like that. It's Well, not just that, but once you get into, like, let's say, okay, I'm going to do a VR presentation, then I need to shoot my content in 360. So Mm. now I need access to a 360 camera and I need to figure out my lighting where now instead of having a frame that I need to fill with content, I have to fill a room with content Mm. (laughs) and I have to hide my (laughs) camera somewhere. Like the, the complexity. Got to make my bed, I guess. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot more work to figure out like, okay. And then, then you get into, okay, well, if there was an AI that could, I could take a picture and it could replace the pixels around me that aren't actually interacting with the thing that's moving. Hmm. Maybe that could work, but the AI tech isn't there yet either. So yeah, yeah, that, that whole, I could write a whole article about here's what market's (laughs) going to look like in 20 years, but for the foreseeable future, like, you know, I, th- I think it's pretty spot on just the, again, the holistic approach where online and offline, you have to incorporate both, you know, yeah. to be on the top. Yeah. I, I think for um, some businesses who maybe were forced to move online, this is, it's kind of like, okay, now you are here. This is what you're working with now. And maybe for some who, who are already doing well online. Now they can kind of, you know, things are opening back up. Things are changing a little bit. You can think about having that holistic approach and reaching people beyond the internet. Mm -hmm. Well, and one example of that uh, company I work with called energy fit, they produce a product called the ski row. It's like a rowing machine. It's also a ski erg or ski trainer. Super cool device, but they were a hundred percent offline focused. Like they didn't even care about consumers. They just wanted to go to the big trade shows, the commercial fitness trade shows, sell the product to distributors. The distributors would then sell the product to whoever. Mm. But then COVID happened, and I've been, I've worked with them forever, and I was always pushing like, hey, we should do some online marketing. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so they finally did it. They said, hey, here's a budget. Let's go ahead and try. And then it just blew up. And so now they're just like, you know, incredibly successful in a short amount of time that they had tried to do it. But before that, they were making zero online sales. Mm -hmm. So they went from zero to millions of dollars within 12 months, just because they tried, which they never would have done before. So, you know, and people, you know, since they focused on commercial, what they ended up doing was creating the supply line that could actually support millions of dollars in sales where 
if they were just going to consumers, they wouldn't have to think about, hey, we need a thousand more units of this, you know, 400 component product. They already set all that stuff up because they were trying to get ready for commercial sales of hundreds of products. So, mm. you know, again, with the online and offline, the fact that they were preparing for offline distribution prepared them for online, you know, ramping up sales more than anybody yeah. else. Actually, that's one of the reasons they were successful because everybody, all the other rowers went out of stock because nobody was shipping from China and they had inventory. So, hmm. you know. That's cool. Huh. That's a, I would love to see that as a case study. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty incredible, but they were always ready for that. Yeah. On accident. <laughs> that's the best way to be <laughs> well it's a lucky way to be <laughs> yeah um so this this next part um i i feel it is something that you i mean obviously you can speak better to it but i almost feel like me asking a question would not work would dumb it down <laughs> so this idea of editorialization mm-hmm. editorialization you know, moving into content strategy, this is something that you're so good at and it's something that you specialize in. And the the idea that things have just become content. Everything is content. Is that what you're is that what you mean by editorialization? Or is there something else to it that I'm that I'm not getting? No, it's really just, um, you know, a fancier way of saying what content marketing is supposed to be. So content marketing Mm -hmm. is a soft approach to sales. So it's not Mm -hmm. saying, hey, here's 20 reasons to buy my product because it's so awesome. Because as soon as people hear, you know, them being sold to like, okay, you're trying to sell me, you know what, shut up. Uh, I don't trust you. And I'm going somewhere else just because you tried. So that's that's typical sales approach. Now, content marketing, instead of saying, hey, buy my product because it's awesome, you're saying, hey, here's, you know, roundabout uh, one of the uses of my product. I'm not even going to talk about my product. It's just somehow associated with whatever piece of content I'm creating. And then, by the way, this product actually fits exactly what I'm talking about here, but indirectly. Mm. So the editorialization is actually just a method of, creating the information that could sell the product without directly trying to sell the product. So, yeah. you know, I have, a, I have a new client. We're actually just getting ready to launch that they're producing this uh, mat. Actually, this is a pitch for them, but <laughs> we just started. <laughs> I, I can't tell you the name yet, but it's basically a, an industrial, you know, commercial grade mat that you could use to carry things. It's like mm-hmm. a universal indestructible mat for carrying stuff. And so if we said, okay, I'm going to uh, create a direct sales piece, I would say, oh, here's this mat. It could do, it could lift anything. It lifts a half ton, uh, super durable. You're never going to need another one. You could use it in a million different ways. That's a typical sales pitch that you would do with the marketing plan. Instead with editorialization of marketing, it would be something like, uh, you know, 10 essential pieces of gear you need for your next camping trip. And so in that point, it's not, I'm trying to sell you a mat, even though the mat is going to be one of those items. I'm just giving you a useful list of things from a bunch of different companies. And so now your guard is down because I'm just giving you useful information and you can take it and use it however you want. Now you can take that step further and saying, 
you know, and you can get into partnerships and things like that where you're saying, okay, uh, you know, Duck Jones, Duck Jones, that's a horrible name. Uh, Dirk <laughs> Diggler, let's say that. That's a fictional character. Dirk Diggler is going to climb Mount Everest. And here's when he's doing it. It's going to be the first trip to be done with no shoes on. And, you know, and here's the stuff he puts into his pack. And then all of a sudden your gear is in there. And now you just did a piece that has a vent. It has a partnership, has, uh, you know, a set offline thing happening and your products incorporated somehow. But that's so abstract, <laughs> you know, the product side that people don't even think about it because you're just talking about this awesome, crazy thing somebody's doing. And there you go. So that would be that would be kind of like that that uh, SpaceX launch if you wanted to incorporate mm. your product into something that's happening without directly saying that's why you're doing it. And then yeah. that could be covered by everybody because you'll see with shareable content, it's never the the top ten reasons why my product's the best. It's something so abstract that people aren't even making that connection. And now you're getting the impressions and the shares and all the good stuff happening without spending a bunch of money on advertising. Hmm. That's interesting. And it really just reminds me of, you know, the boom we've seen with influencer marketing and, and affiliates who are influencers and, you know, YouTubers and things like that. I, I think they, they do such a good job because they're not like, they, they don't, they're not trying to sell it. They're just making content. They just want to make sure that people are watching their video. And like when they have that goal it like helps you accomplish your goal so much better. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Well, um, and just if you think of your own personal habits with somebody's pitching you an item and you know, they're pitching you the item because they're obviously getting paid for it, then you're less, you know, likely to listen to them. Yeah. So, I like want to not buy it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it. specifically, I'm not buying that. I thought about <laughs> it and now I'm not going to buy it. Now I think YouTubers are getting to the point where they they acknowledge that, but they only take on advertisements of stuff that they would endorse even if they weren't paid. So, yeah. or at least they make it sound that way. So I think mm -hmm. that's where, you know, the inf dumb influencers will be obnoxious about pitching items instead of just yeah. pitching items they actually believe in. Mm -hmm. And then you'll listen to them because, you know, you like that person and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, 2021 people you know we're not in the early 2000s we're not in 2007 facebook ads has been around for a while what are consumers doing right now what is the state of marketing right now i think the state of marketing is if you're not attacking your your planning and your execution in 10 to 20 different ways both online and offline then you're either leaving money on the table or you will never reach, you know, entire groups of people because they're not consuming information the way you are pitching it. So the state is, again, that holistic approach where now people, actually, I didn't even talk about, you know, the whole, there's a line I mentioned that, that marketing has now become genuine, where it's, that's a whole nother side of this marketing mm. approach where it's, you know, people want to be brought into your brand. So if, if the only face you ever show is you being awesome, people are not going to trust that anymore. And so back to my, my Tesla example was where they're testing the Starship is what it's called. They blew up four prototypes 
Like mm-hmm. they literally exploded, just massive technically failures because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They presented that all publicly and everybody covered it and everybody knew about it. And before they landed one for reals, SN15 is what it's called. They actually won the $3 billion contract for a moon lander uh, from NASA. And so, you know, the fact that they were genuine about their prototyping process and were willing to share that information with everybody, even though it went catastrophically wrong, they won this contract because they were the ones actually doing stuff. So, mm. so I think that's, that's another side of the marketing where it's, it's holistic approach in terms of online and offline incorporation, but also being transparent with your business, uh, you know, both developments and then both the feelings of the leadership within a company. So, you know, Elon, he, he came out with tweets every single time something blew up or something happened. And he said, that didn't go right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and even with that happening, he still won that enormous contract. And I think it's, and there's other factors in terms of what they presented and, you know, compared to the competition, but, you know, I think that made a huge difference. You know, the, the public's perception, even though they really had no impact, you know, direct impact on the decision of NASA to go with the contract, the fact that the public were on board made the decision maker's decision easier. So, yeah. And now everybody's excited. So, you know, I think that's that's a lesson there. So status of 2021, get online, get offline, and share as much information as possible, even if it's not super awesome information to share. Yeah. And then your community will grow. Well, that's the only way to build community now. People have mm-hmm. an expectation that they're part of your brand. They're not just, you know, consumers of your product. They are buying you and what you're doing and they want to support you. So it's Mm -hmm. actually, yeah, I think it's all, it's really a blow against fake companies, fake brands, fake marketers that you can't get away with shiny stuff anymore because everybody has shiny stuff. So now you're, I think it's the truest time to be a marketer and a business owner than it ever has been. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Mark, this was so awesome. (laughs) I learned a lot. Um, I do have one little question um, just kind of before we hop off. um, But first, where can people find out more about you, reach out to you, read this article, all that good stuff? Uh, So the article, I'm actually doing a series on digital marketers blog. So digitalmarketer.com slash blog. Uh, you'll see a bunch of stuff on there. Um, I have my personal website, markdegrass.com. Uh, has some information. I need to update it, though. But it actually lists a bunch of different brands. I have a, a website, a marketing firm, and a donut blog. And, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's called uh, youdonno.com. And I review donuts from anywhere I go. So there's from like Hawaii and San Diego and oh Austin. Oh my gosh. What donut whatnot. should I try in Austin? Uh, Boogie's is probably the best. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say that California donuts are better than Texas donuts, <laughs> but I think we just have more of them. So if you ever go to yeah. Costa Mesa, California, go to Sidecar, which is probably cool. the best donuts you could get. They're like eight bucks a piece though. So. Heads up for that. Worth it. <laughs> it, it <laughs> you don't need more than one. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, I have all my brands on there. So, and then my main brand is called megamadwebsites.com. That's where uh, my main portfolio is. If you want to say we built somewhere around 300 websites in the last five years or so. So lots of stuff on there. Awesome. Well, Mark, final question. I ask this of every first time guest on the podcast. If you could go back in time and let's say you're going to talk to that like 18, 19 year old real estate broker that you once were, (laughs) if you could tell him anything at all, knowing what you know now, what would you tell him and why? I would probably say that buy real estate after the collapse that happened like directly after I got out of real estate uh, because real estate always goes up. And now, especially, you know, in Austin is just insane. So I think yeah. that would have been actually my senior thesis in school was about uh, storage units. And I think that is still the most incredible investment ever. So I probably tell myself, Whatever you have to do, build storage units right outside Austin and you'll make a ton of money. <laughs> Whoa. I've never heard anything about storage units. I'm going to have to go like invest in something. <laughs> I have to, well, I don't want people to do it because I want to do it. But. Oh, okay. <laughs> the business model is fantastic. You have no, you have no uh, people to manage. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Mark, this was so awesome. Thank you so much for being podcast today. Thank you for having me. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And to you listening, it means so much to have a little bit of your day each week. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Goodbye. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.